All right, I want you to turn. Steve's not here. I'll go ahead with this um, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Now we're continuing in our series in Hebrews 11. We're going to go slowly. It'll take us a good while to get through them. We've had to deal three Sundays with Abraham because he's written about in that chapter more than anybody else. Today we're going to continue dealing with Sarah, but we're going to include the next name on the list in Hebrews 11, Isaac. And so we're going to look at Sarah and Isaac combined today. And then the first Sunday of uh, August, we'll be looking at Jacob. We'll go from there to David, Barak, Joseph, all the guys, and some of the gals, Rahab and others, that we'll be looking at in Hebrews 11. Now, you have your notes before you, and I'm going to encourage you to keep those notes. Um, if you will, write on them, of course, if you want, but they're really for reference later, particularly what's on the back. Uh, it'll take you time to go through that chart on the back, uh, and I want to do it at your leisure, where you'll be able to read and comprehend each thing that's said there. But I wanted to put it in your hands so it could be done. And by the way, we have plenty of copies, so if anyone doesn't have a copy of the notes, we want to be sure you get them, okay? Now then, um, if you'll remember last time, I told you about my being a history major at Oklahoma Baptist University back in 1900 and none of your business, you know, just a long, long time ago. Now, no one likes history. It's dry, it's boring, um, it just uh, doesn't appeal, and that includes me. And one of the reasons I was willing and able to uh, major in history, which is my major, and Bible's my minor, was that my teacher was absolutely profound. And some of us asked him one day, what is it that, what makes you so different than other history teachers, professors? And he said, well, he said, I don't know that I'm good, but I do have a little key that I use. He said, I talk about history as if it were a clothesline. Now, remember, as I told you last time, the clothesline. You have a post, and then you have this wire or rope or whatever that reaches all the way across to a final post, and on that line hangs your clothes pinned with clothespins. And he said, when you study history, it's good to see it as on a line and clothespins at particular places. And those clothespins will keep you where you need to be in the scope of history. And then if you'll remember, we started and we told you that the first clothesline post was creation. The creation of the heavens and the earth, the creation of man, Adam. And by the way, Adam was alive when Methuselah was born. Methuselah lived 969 years, but he was still alive uh, when Noah was born. Uh, Noah was still alive when Abraham was born. And those names I've just given you are the first things, not clothespins, they're the first items on the clothesline. But when we come to Abraham, we saw 
the first closed pen, and it's called the Abrahamic Covenant. God called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, he and his wife Sarah, and he promised them a land, a seed, and a blessing. You follow me. It's unconditional. I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and a blessing. We saw that the land had to do with a nation of Israel that came into existence, as you'll see in a moment. The seed was that nation, Israel, and the blessing was they would announce the message of the kingdom to all nations, including Gentiles. Now, you need to remember in biblical history, there were only two kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. If you're a Gentile, it simply meant you weren't a Jew. You could be a Russian Gentile, an English Gentile, whatever, but you're a Gentile. But the message that the Abrahamic covenant promised to Abraham was that the message that would come from him, the seed that would come from him, the story of that seed, would be announced to all the nations and a brand new kingdom would be started. Now, Abram obeyed. He left. Uh, a few years later, he was tried because, you know, he, Sarah couldn't have children, so... Uh, Ishmael was born of the maid of Sarah, Hagar, and uh, then years later, Sarah did miraculously conceive. Now, I don't mean without Abram, but it was, they were both old and beyond age, and so it was a miracle that she could conceive, but she did. And Isaac was born. And uh, 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 Isaac was the son of promise. Ishmael was the son of human effort. We'll see this in a little bit. But the point is, it was Isaac through whom that Abrahamic covenant continued uh, to be given. Uh, you remember how they had trouble because Ishmael was eventually kicked out with uh, Hagar, his mother, they came back, there was a reconciliation, but Isaac grew up and he met a gal by the name of uh, Rebekah and they married. And from Isaac and Rebekah came another son. Now, two boys, they were twin boys, Esau the oldest and Jacob the youngest, but they had trouble in the womb. Jacob kept grabbing the heel, the scripture says, it means there was a, seemed to be a battle going on in the womb. But Esau was born first, and then Jacob. When they got older, now, the, by the way, the blessing, which was the promise that had been given to Abraham, passed on, was always to the firstborn son. So who's that? Esau. You see? Only uh, uh, Jacob wouldn't have it. So when the time came for, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Isaac w wouldn't have it. And when the time came for him to give the blessing to Esau or Jacob, Jacob deceived him by putting on the skin. The father smelled the animal, thought it was Esau, and uh, gave the blessing to Jacob. It was deceptive, but it was done. So Jacob became the one of promise. And then you remember Jacob... Uh, eventually got married and uh, 
Rachel was his wife, only there was a deception there. You reap what you sow. And so the father of Rachel promised Rachel if he'd work seven years, he did work seven years. She came veiled. But when they married and the veil was removed, it wasn't Rachel. It was uh, uh, Leah, the oldest daughter. And the father-in-law said, well, the oldest girl ought to be married first, and so I tricked you. Well, Jacob toiled seven more years and finally was able to marry Rachel. And Jacob and Rachel had uh, two sons. Jacob and uh, Leah had six sons. In your notes it says four, but it's really six and one girl. Then he had, Jacob's kind of a wondering guy. He had two sons by one handmaiden of Rachel and two more sons by uh, the handmaiden of Leah. And all 12 of those sons of Jacob became known by the name Jacob. Only his name was changed to Israel. And so those 12 sons were the beginnings of the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. They're not there yet, but that's what's going to happen. Now, Joseph was born to Rachel, as was Benjamin. She died when Benjamin was born in, 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 in birth. But Joseph was favored by his father. The boys didn't like that. The brothers, the siblings didn't like that. So they started to kill him, didn't, sold him into Egyptian slavery. You know how they did that. And down there, he interpreted the Pharaoh's dream was put in second in command, and the famine that, he had, that Pharaoh had dreamed about happened. But Joseph had led them in preparing for it. So all of Egypt, now in the middle of a terrible famine, had plenty of food. Well, Jacob and the boys are living in the land of Canaan, which was the land promised to Abraham. They heard of the good food in Egypt, so they sent the brothers down. They had this little reunion with Joseph, and Joseph played a little game with them at first and finally revealed who he was, scared them to death. They thought they'd, he'd probably kill them because what they'd done to him, but he didn't. Well, in fact, he sent them home, and Jacob came down, and they came to Egypt. Now, Joseph was the one who got them into Egypt. They were in Egypt for 430 years. The problem was, during that time, Joseph died. And then a Pharaoh rose who didn't even know Joseph. But he saw all the Hebrews, all the uh, boys from uh, Jacob. And so he made them slaves. 400 years later, Moses is born, and we know the story of Moses. I can't go through that. When they passed the Red Sea in Mount Sinai, 50 days after they were delivered out of Egypt, Moses, representing the nation of Israel along with his brother Aaron, went up into the top of the mountain, and God revealed himself to Moses. And here's the second clothespin. The first one was the Abrahamic covenant on this line of history that I've just given you. Now we have or the first, the first clothespin. Now we have the second. It's the Sianic 
covenant or the covenant of Moses, Mount Sinai. It's the law. It has to do with the tabernacle, the feast days, all that Israel was to do as the people of God. Now, the covenant with Abraham, the first clothespin, was unconditional. But the covenant with Moses was conditional. If you will do all these things right, correctly, then I will bless you and so on. They didn't, and he didn't. In other words, the nation of Israel after this second clothespin, the Mosaic Covenant, they became a nation uh, under uh, Joshua. They went in back into the land of Canaan. Moses died in the mountain. Now they have their land, the land of Canaan. They're a nation, Israel, and they have God living among them once a year on the Day of Atonement. But they didn't follow the Lord. They wanted a king, so God gave them a king. His name was Saul. He was a bad boy, had his problems. Good-looking guy, tall guy, but he was a bad boy. And uh, finally, you know the, fia the fiasco that happened, and David became king. Oh, David was wonderful. The nation was in good hands. Then he died. By the way, God made a special covenant with David. We call the Davidic covenant. We're not getting into that. As he made a special covenant with Noah called the Noahic covenant. The rainbow is the sign of that one. We won't get into that either. This is all on the line of history. One clothespin, the Abrahamic covenant. And by the way, the sign of that covenant was circumcision. Now we have the conditional covenant with Israel on Mount Sinai, and the sign is the Sabbath day. It was to be a special day for Israel. But they didn't obey. And so the nation started having trouble. Pretty soon they split into the northern tribes, 10 of them, southern tribes, two of them. And they got into a spiritual mess. So during this period of time, on this clothesline of history, prophets started coming up. For instance, Isaiah stood to preach to the northern tribes and to turn them back to God. But one of the things he said was in the seventh chapter of Isaiah is, uh, this shall be a sign to you, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Who in the world is Isaiah talking about? He's talking about the special seed that God promised Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, and that seed was the Lord Jesus. But they didn't understand that at the time. That was all to come. And so uh, the... the uh, the question for Moses and Israel was, will you obey? Will you keep the covenant? Will you do the sacrifices? Will you honor the Sabbath day? The answer was no. And uh, in 722, the northern ten tribes went into Assyrian captivity. And in 586, the southern two went into Babylonian captivity. Now there's no nation of Israel. They're all kept captured. God kept the southern kingdom in 70 years, but then he promised through Isaiah and some of the others that they'd be released and returned, and they did. 
And Isaiah said again in Isaiah 53, I want to promise you as the southern kingdom, you're going to have a seed who will be bruised for our iniquity. He will be punished for our transgression. Well, it's Isaiah 53. Who's it talking about? The Lord Jesus. But they didn't fully understand that yet. So they were in the land of Canaan, returned, and so they built the temple. The first one built by Solomon had been destroyed by the Babylonian king, and so they built the second temple in Jerusalem. And Malachi, and by the way, the prophet Ezekiel also said to the nation of Israel, I'm going to raise up a new covenant in Jeremiah 31. He said that. And the difference in the new covenant and the old covenant made with, uh, with Moses is it's going to be written not on tablets of stone, but in the heart. The, my law will be written in the hearts of people. And he said, it won't be just the nation of Israel. It'll be all the Gentile nations will make up my people. They didn't understand that, but it was a promise. It's called a messianic promise. And Isaiah said it would happen. And then of all things, Ezekiel stood up. And by the way, that's who Steve talked about last week. And he added to the promise. And the promise was there's coming a land where there's river running out of the throne of, the, of, the, uh, of, of God. And on each side of the river, there are going to be trees that have fruit 12 times a year, different tree, fruit, fruit, every tree. And you can eat to your heart's content, and they will heal. Everything and everybody will be healed. Well, my, what a promise. Only that didn't happen when they returned from Babylon. That's something they just didn't understand, didn't make that much sense to them, but you'll see in a moment. And so Malachi rose. He's the last prophet. And so the Old Testament ends, Genesis through Malachi. On this timeline, you've had two clothespins, the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. Now, the prophets have promised a third clothespin. Hadn't come yet. And it's called the New Covenant, according to Jeremiah chapter 31. And then, the scripture, uh, in, uh, biblical history, indicates that there are 400 years between Malachi, they're in Jerusalem, the nation of Israel has returned from Babylon, they have their priesthood. They're offering the sacrifices, but the glory of God never comes down. He's not among them. They're without the presence of God at all. They just had ritual and religion. And you know what happens when you have ritual and religion? You wind up being Pharisaical, or you argue over theology like the Sadducees did. That's when the Pharisees and Sadducees came into existence. Our, one of our associate pastors is going to be teaching the uh, interbiblical period, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. Uh, during this summer, he's going to do it on Wednesday nights. Be a great study. 400 years on this timeline of history. We have, it's silent years. We know nothing, very little. If it weren't for Jewish historians, we wouldn't know anything. But we're a little informed because of the Jewish historians that wrote about it. But the point is this. There came a time 
when the scripture says the new covenant came into existence. When was it? Now watch. Malachi died 400 years without anything, the nation of Israel. And on a special morning, we call it Christmas morning, Jesus, the Christ, was born. Now, I know that we say 25th of, of uh, December we'll celebrate his birthday, but in my humble opinion, it's a studied opinion. I can't say it's an accurate one, but it's a humble studied opinion. I believe Jesus was literally born on September the 11th, 3 B.C., 400 years after Malachi finished his ministry. 3 B.C., Jesus was born on the day of the Feast of the Trumpets, which was a Jewish celebration day. Now, that's what I believe. Six months after John the Baptist, by the way, had been born. Uh, uh, you know, they were conceived six months apart. John the Baptist was going to prepare his way. But Jesus was born. I believe in that time. It's okay to celebrate December 25th. It's okay. Because it, we're just celebrating a birthday of the king, not a day. Okay? We're celebrating a king. But I think it was September the 11th. 3 B.C. But here's my point. On the day of Passover, 30 A.D., 33 years later, something happened. Every new covenant or every covenant is ratified by shed blood. The Abrahamic covenant, ratified by shed blood. The Mosaic covenant, ratified by shed blood. The new covenant, ratified by shed blood. Whose blood? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died on Passover in 30 A.D. at the age of 33 years. Now, when the prophets talked about one who is coming, it was singular. It was talking about this one. He's going to be king. He's going to establish a kingdom. Now you see why Jesus, during the Gospels, he said, the kingdom of God is now among you. Whoa. It isn't the kingdom of the nation of Israel. It isn't the kingdom of some other nation. It's the kingdom of God is among them. But how was it among them? In fact, uh, after Jesus died, he appeared to the disciples and he said, now, go into all the nations, Gentiles, okay, and preach the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the one who died for us. Jesus is the blood covenant a sacrifice for our relationship with God who is in heaven. Now, anyone who follows the gospel or obeys the gospel or believes the gospel, I did that when I was 13 years old. Didn't have a clue what I'm telling you right now. But by the grace of God, his Holy Spirit baptized me into the person of Jesus into the reality of Christ, all that he did on the cross, the empty tomb was accredited to my account, and now I am a member of the spiritual kingdom. It's, we can call it the church. The church is the word ecclesia. It just means called out people. It's the kingdom of called out people. 
The gospel calls them out. However, now watch, because we're not yet at the end of the fence post. We've had the three we've had the three clothespins, the Abrahamic covenant, then the Mosaic covenant in Mount Sinai. Now uh, we have the new covenant on Pentec on uh, Passover, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended, and as he ascended into heaven, two men in white stood by and said. Why are you folks standing around gazing at him? This same Jesus whom you see go this way will return one day in like manner. It's in the book of Acts chapter 1. Tarry in Jerusalem, Jesus told his disciples, and you're going to be endued with power from on high to fulfill what I'm asking you to do to go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, circumcision was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, the Sabbath was the sign of the Mosaic covenant. Baptism is the sign of the new covenant. Now, water baptism is only a picture, a sign of the spirit baptism. We've been identified with Christ so that when God sees us, he sees who and what Jesus did because we've trusted him as our Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus said on Pentecost in the power of the Spirit, they were filled with the Spirit. Peter, Peter preached and told all the Jews what I've just told you and said it wound up being Jesus whom you crucified. Now we're telling you the story of the new king, the new kingdom, and he's going to return. Now, nobody can see the kingdom that Peter was saying he was now a part of. It's a spiritual kingdom. But man, every time you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, you are born into that kingdom. And the scripture says you're a member of the spiritual kingdom. But time goes on. We're still on that clothesline. Third clothespin, the death of Christ, the new, the new covenant. Now time goes on. What's happened? 50 days later, they were filled with the Spirit. Uh, 40 years later, uh, on 70 AD, uh, I mean, all of Jerusalem, the temple and everything was destroyed. The Jewish economy was done away with. And all that was left was those early Jewish people and a few Gentiles who'd come to Christ and the gospel started being proclaimed. And all at once, the gospel snatching people out of every nation on this earth. Russia, China, America, even the nation of Israel. So that Jews and Gentiles together make up the spiritual kingdom, the ecclesia, the called out people of God. They're not strangers to us. We're not strangers to them, the, the nation of Israel, Jewish people. We're brothers and sisters in Christ when we trust the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. But the devil doesn't like it because we deliver this message. So what does he do? He goes on a rampage and tribulation begins. Oh, tribulation like you've never seen. I mean, it's been rough. All through, now we've been 2,000 years in this new covenant, spiritual kingdom. And all through those 2,000 years, tribulation's been going on. Somebody said, we'll miss the tribulation. Foot. 
We've been in tribulation for 2,000 years. And if you name the name of Jesus today, you'll face it. Right? And by the way, tribulation is going to continue until when? Now watch. The same as the gospel continues, snatching people out, bringing them into the spiritual kingdom. But one of these days, hallelujah, one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound and the fit, the uh, clothesline post will be established. Time will end. The dead will be raised. We'll be brought up to meet him in the air. And we will return with him to this earth, which will be a brand new heaven and earth. We call it the eternal kingdom. So that the spiritual kingdom, that's all we are right now, will be morphed into the eternal kingdom. Only it's broader than just the people called out. It's a, crea it's a new creation of the heavens and a new creation of the earth. In other words, what God started in the garden and Adam messed up terribly. He really messed it up. The last Adam, the second man, the Lord Jesus, fixed it all up. And one of these days when he returns to end time, put that clothesline post in and time is no more, the eternal kingdom will be established on a new heaven and a new earth. And in Revelation, John the Revelator tells us all about that. From the birth of Jesus all the way through to the tribulation of the enemy, the final defeat of the devil, uh, the false prophet, uh, the, the beast that comes out of the sea, all of those are all pictures of tribulation. And in Revelation 21 and 22, Jesus comes, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, and of all things we have a new heavens and a new earth, and there is the river John in Revelation said, flowing from the throne of God, and the trees on both sides growing the fruit. Where was that talked about? Way back in the prophets. They were getting them all ready for what God has been doing now for 2,000 years with a spiritual kingdom. That's what Steve was talking about last week and who we are. We're part of that kingdom. But oh, my friend, one of these days, the spiritual kingdom will end with the presence of Jesus returning just as he left, seen by us all. And the dead in Christ will be raised and time will be no more and a new heavens and a new earth. Those outside the grace of God will be cut off for eternity. What a tragedy. So we'll keep telling them about Jesus, who is the seed that God promised Abraham, who is the Messiah that bore our sins and is able to take care of our iniquities. We'll tell them about Jesus. We'll preach the gospel, but we have no hope in this world. No human being has any hope except in the gospel. Nations come and nations go. Uh, Regimes crumble, men and women die, and politics will end. One day time will end, and Jesus the King will establish his eternal kingdom at the end of time, and we will reign with him on a new heaven and a new earth. Whew, I got it in. <laughs> Only one final word, and I'll let you go. You got to see it in Galatians 4. We read it last time, verse 21. 
There were people in the churches in Galatia who were trying to get the Christian Jews who'd come to Christ and believe the gospel. They were trying to convince them, come on now, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to come back under the old covenant of Moses. And so the apostle Paul writes them and he says, wait a minute. All of you who want to go back under the law, do you know what the law is saying? This is what he says in Galatians 4.21. Do you hear what the law is saying? The law, the definite article is always a reference to the law of Moses. The first law in verse 21 is, refers to rules and regulations. You want to be under law, rules and regulations? Do you understand what the law, the rules and regulations that Moses put together is really saying? If you did, you'd know that uh, that's not the way to live. And here he asked the question, do you want to live under law? The answer is absolutely not. Do you know why? Because one of those represents a covenant that is natural. That's uh, the covenant of law. Okay, Moses' covenant made on Mount Sinai, it says in Galatians 4, but it's seen in the picture of Ishmael because Ishmael was the product of flesh instead of the promise. But when Sarah conceived, she produced Isaac, uh, Isaac, and Isaac's the son of promise. So Isaac is the picture of the covenant of promise. He's a picture of the new covenant. Ishmael's a picture of the old covenant. And then he explains it. Anyone who tries to live under the law, the law of Moses... The law of Israel is failing to understand the freedom that is in the new covenant in Christ, which is pictured in Isaac in Galatians 4. So we're going to end this with saying Sarah and Isaac are a picture of the brand new covenant. And one of these days... When the fullness of the Gentiles has come in through the preaching of the gospel, we want everybody's going to be one. God's ready. Time's finished. That clothesline post will be established. Clothesline will be done away with. And we have eternity staring us in the face with a new heavens and a new earth. Did you get it? If you didn't, I'll start over and do it again. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But do you see the hope that this gives us in Christ Jesus? Ladies and gentlemen, the hope we have is not in the Republicans or the Democrats or in America or Russia or China. Our hope is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, our country is our country of birth, so let's celebrate it. Let's pledge our allegiance to it. Let's rejoice in those who defend it in the services, and we'll celebrate a birthday. I'm writing about it this week. But my first allegiance is always to the kingdom of Christ. So that my Christianity is not Americanism or nationalism of any kind. It's the kingdom of God, which is spiritual right now, supernatural, but spiritual. And in that day will be only supernatural and only eternal. No time left. God bless you. Hug three necks before you go, and uh, we'll see you down in the worship service.